My name is Gustav Hoyer, and I am a composer. Welcome to the Anachronism Podcast. Welcome to 2020. Happy New Year to all of you who have been joining me on our initial season of the Anachronism Podcast. You may have noticed that the opening music has changed, and that's music from my new release, The Gilded Age. And I thought with the new year, we're going to freshen up and change a few things. We'll have a lot of new content coming this year, and as we look down to 2020 for the podcast, I'm going to begin to mix up a little bit more of the kinds of things we're going to do together. I'll continue great interviews with people who are pushing the boundary of the definition of what the classical genre really means. We're going to listen to that living music, and we'll be returning to some of our previous guests and their music as well, doing some active listening together. We'll also be introducing some other elements. I'll be sharing more about those as they materialize, but we're going to continue our focus on listening intently, listening with focus, and then learning about the people for whom this music is central as an artistic voice. So I'm really excited about the year to come, and again, really grateful to have you along the journey with me. I'm really thrilled to be joining you today for an episode where we're going to talk about my recently released album, The Gilded Age. And I want to thank all of you who have checked it out on Spotify or Amazon Music or CD Baby. Uh, Your support, your encouragement, and kind words help me continue to create new music, and I'm grateful for you. So today I wanted to take a deep dive into the Gilded Age. I thought it might be fun to do an active listening that's a little more casual and a much broader survey of music. And for today's episode, it's a bit of a peeling back the surface layer from a composer's view of his own music. What we're going to do today, I want to call this episode Buried Treasure. And this is a chance for me to walk you as listeners through a couple of the moments uh, scattered throughout the album that are particularly special to me. And I'll talk to you about why the music in that section really speaks to me or reflects something musically very interesting that I'm particularly pleased with or or that uh, I myself enjoy those moments. And so as we go hunting for buried treasure, I won't tell you where in the recordings these moments happen. So that's a bit like a scavenger hunt for you. Hopefully, as you listen to the music, you'll find them after we've talked about them today. And since this is a scavenger hunt, we're going to be attacking the tracks of the album in a random order. So I'm going to just dive into a piece, and you'll know by the sound and the instrumentation roughly what part of the album it's coming from. But I'm not going to name the movement, but I will talk about the elements that are happening in that moment. So let's get started. This first section, I actually coined what I believe is a novel phrase. I've never encountered it before, but whenever I had reflected on this little section of music, I thought of the phrase musical oddments, etc., almost as if you had gone into a curiosity shop, a shop of random collected things uh, and oddment seem to be the almost antique way of referring to these peculiar things you might see sitting on the store shelves. And this this is a musical oddment. And 
it's because the way the harmony works, it doesn't quite fit with the way the melody's going. So the melody's constantly a little harmonically a little out of whack from what the rest of the ensemble's doing. So when you listen to the violin line and you hear it's kind of dancing in this very irregular way around what's happening in the rest of the orchestra. Take a listen. Did you catch it? How the violin line, that top line of music, at points just gets a little out of alignment from the rest of the ensemble. So that's our first buried treasure. Let's move on. Now to this next moment. You'll hear the piano play, and some of you who've seen some of the other material I've put out about the album are going to know which track this is right away. But I thought this is a particularly fun moment. And it's musical depiction, musical portraiture. It's using music to show something that happens in the real world and almost give you an audio drawing of it. And in this case, it's this chromatic line that rises in the left hand of piano music. And what chromatic means, if you looked at a piano and you've seen that keyboard, you see this familiar white key, black key, white key combination. And as you look across the whole, and every time you move one key forward, that's called a half step. That's chromatic music generally. And so when you move just note by note on the piano, white key, black key, white key, black key, white key, white key, depending on where you started, sometimes the white keys is the next adjacent one. But this white, black, white, black is called a chromatic line. If you listen to this little segment of the piano part, you're going to hear the top line is the melody, and it's very clear. In fact, it's the opening music of today's podcast. But I want to peel back that, and I want you to listen to the left hand. And the left hand, when you sit at a piano, if you've never done this before, all the notes get lower and deeper. And essentially what that means is they're uh, longer wavelengths and lower frequencies as you move to the left. And then as you move to the right, they're shorter wavelengths and higher frequencies. And so from left to right, you go from low-sounding notes to high-sounding notes on the piano as you move up. And that idea of moving up the keyboard means to go from left to right, uh, if you hear that term. And so if you listen to the lower part, because both hands are playing, it's the left hand that's giving us this little shimmy. And it's this kind of wiggle, almost as if you were trying to walk, and there's just a little bit of a slide to your step. Your foot doesn't quite make it over, and almost as if there's just something a little bit wiggly about that step. Take a listen. Did you hear it? Listen again. So there's the shimmy. All right, moving on. So our next bit of buried treasure, this next part has to do with the absence of sound. One of the key elements of creating music is how you put sounds and frequencies and wavelengths in against silence. 
and without some silence it's hard to really savor the sound. And so this next segment just gives you a little taste of what that spaciousness and what you hear in the space in music, especially in a live performance, it's, it's really enchanting if you've never experienced in a live performance in a hall, there's this phenomenon called reverb, it's reverberation. And so the sound waves come off the instruments and they bounce off the walls and often the walls are a hard surface. And those sound waves bounce back into the room and it's an echo and uh, not an echo that detracts from the primary sound waves that are coming off the instrument, but give it a warmth and a space. Well, when you have a really big sound that swells up and fills the space with one big moment, and then you just let it decay. That's the term for all that energy then dissipates out into the air. And like when you jump into the swimming pool and the waves lap on the pool and finally they settle back down, it's the same thing. That's what that decay and that reverb are doing. You hear the big sound, and then you just get to hear all the sound waves die back down. And so it's the use of space and silence. Take a listen. Did you hear all the space and how the sound ripples out and quietly? And it never goes fully to silence in that section. Uh, but in a live performance, you would be very aware of the silences as well as the sounds. So our next piece of buried treasure goes back to that chromatic scale we talked about. And when you look at a piano and you think about how you can ascend up a piano, uh, depending on if you've ever played an instrument like this, you know that you can just step your way up or down and those half notes like we talked about, that's that chromatic scale. In this little segment of piano music, you're going to hear that same chromatic scale and it's going to be rising, da, 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 like that, and you're going to hear it really fast, but it's rising, but Imagine if you looked at a piano and you went up a little cluster of three or four of those half steps and then you jumped up an octave, which is go to the next visual grouping, the next one to the right, and then you kept going. And it's, so it's like you have two chromatic scales that are rising with each other. The bottom one is rising at a slightly faster pace. It's moving, making more progress than the upper one, and the upper one keeps catching up. And again, it's in the left hand. So in the right hand, you're going to hear these chords happening in this really what's an augmented harmony. For those of you who've played a piano, you know that there um, are different intervals. And this, an augmented chord is a major third and a major third. And so you're hearing that kind of peculiar harmony up in the right hand bouncing around. But the action's in the left hand again. And to zoom in on the buried treasure here, listen to how the piano player is moving up those chromatic scales and it goes up low and then it jumps up an octave and keeps going up and then it jumps back down and goes up and back and forth and so it's like the left hand is playing two chromatic scales at different rates 
in the one hand and it does a little low, a little high, a little low, a little high. And I'll tell you as a pianist, this is a very tricky passage because of how the fingers fit on the keyboard. There's a physical shape to the hand. And so this passage is really tricky and it features the capability of a great pianist. And the pianist on my album, The Gilded Age, was my guest on my last episode, Benjamin Harding, who's just outstanding. And you'll hear him working his way in just his left hand on these chromatic scales that are an octave apart. And he's moving up. See if you can hear it. Did you catch it? That section recurs again little later on in that same piece and you just hear little snippets of it I'll play you that segment too and so then you can find these two little bits of buried treasure these chromatic scales that are an octave apart and they're being played by the same hand in in this broken figuration I can assure you as a pianist that's very tricky and Benjamin makes it sound easy um, so, moving on, a little more buried treasure for you. Our next buried treasure comes at a very special moment structurally in one of the string pieces. And it is, it is the return of familiar music from earlier on in the piece. And so you've been listening to the piece, and somewhere in your memory that piece got, that bit of fragment of music got lodged. And when it comes back, it's now clothed in a little bit of a different garment, a little more ornate, a little more grandiose, but it's the movement from this flurry of anticipation, this build up to something big is about to happen. You're we're about to have a big reveal, and then that familiar music comes back. Take a listen. like in a play or a movie where that character you thought had left and was gone, maybe gone off on a long journey far away, returns back unexpectedly in grand pomp and splendor. All right, that little bit of buried treasure behind us, let's move on to our next one. In this section, you'll hear the strings plucked. It's called pizzicato. And over the pizzicato, you'll hear occasionally this very shimmery, almost shivering sound, and that's called tremolo, and that's where the string players vibrate their bow, move their bow back and forth really fast on the string, so it gives this sh shaking, shimmering sound. And it was the inspiration of the composer who, who I was 
in dialogue with artistically, this piece was inspired by this other composer's music. This moment, and I'll play the moment from his composition that really embodies the aesthetic. Not everything is exactly the same, but the feeling of this composer's music filtered into my own work, you're going to hear. So we'll start with the music, the buried treasure in the Gilded Age, and then we'll listen to the original inspiration from this other composer and see if you can hear how they're similar. the source of the inspiration. Do you hear the connection? One's a bit slower than the other, but the music from the Gilded Age throughout is making specific nods to master composers who've come before me and a way for me to show my deference and my thanks to these fantastic artists who came before. So that's a special moment, a buried treasure. For our next bit of buried treasure, we're going to turn back toward some piano music, and you're going to hear a much livelier, romping sort of sound happening here. But what's happening in this piano music, a little bit like when we talked about musical oddments, etc., is it doesn't quite sit neatly into the tracks, and you're going to hear there's this half-step uh, that chromatic sound of the melody, it's sitting uneasily on top of the harmonies underneath, and it doesn't quite tuck into place. And it has this sense of being a little bit unsettled, familiar, but a little strange and a little unsettling. Take a listen. See if you can hear what I'm talking about. Again, it's the difference between what the left hand is playing and what the melody is doing in the right hand. Did you hear how that is a little bit off kilter, a little dissonant and pushing around a bit on what your ear might normally expect to hear? The melody is just not quite delivering exactly what you want. It's staying a little bit out of line. It's a little bit unruly. All right. See if you can find that buried treasure. Let's move on to the next one. So in this section, this little bit of buried treasure, you're going to hear similar things to what we heard in with the shimmering tremolo music, where you hear the instruments, the strings bowing really fast back and forth and giving it a shimmer. In this case, it's 
a very profound turn in the music where it's gone from something much rowdier and raucous to something very delicate. And for me, whenever I hear this section, I'm brought into the Colorado Rockies, which is my home, my lifelong home, and the smell of the pine trees and the way the cool air blows around and that little bit of chill and that shaking of the violins, uh, that bowing really fast back and forth goes back a long time even you hear it in the music of Vivaldi in his four seasons shivering and how our body shakes when we get cold and so that shivering sound gives you that little sense of chill that little sense of being in a forbidding place and a very open and spacious as the air thins out as you go up in altitude in the Colorado Rockies you get higher and higher the air gets thinner and folks who come from sea level notice it immediately breathing gets harder you get winded very fast and it's all of that coming together in this musical texture and then you have a solo violin coming out singing a very poignant an open American sort of sound in this shivering alpine environment. Take a listen. That music just takes me right to the top of the Rockies every time I hear it. Okay, now the last bit of buried treasure hidden in the Gilded Age. This final section takes us back to the piano, and it is a transition of color. We've had a moment of sunshine, a moment of hope, a moment of optimism, very American sort of optimism. And then reality comes back, and the hope isn't gone, but the reality of the situation is still not entirely improved. And so it's just this movement from something that's more positive and more active, more assertive, to something that's got a bit more melancholy in it. And I'll play this whole section where you hear this more melancholy section when it comes back gets repeated up an octave. And it's very idiomatic of the music and the style of the music that players would improvise certain techniques like that and take a piece of music, play it one time in one octave, and that's back to the keyboard going left to right. They might play it down more toward the middle, and then they might move to the right and play it higher, higher pitches, higher frequencies. And so listen to this, a little bit longer section, the movement from hopeful optimism back to the reality of life and then listen for that little technique of moving up an octave.
And so there it is. Buried treasure distributed throughout the Gilded Age. I hope you've enjoyed this tour of some of the detailed features that exist within my recording. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, I invite you to do so. And I'm always excited to share this music with people. So you can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Amazon Music and CD Baby. If you visit my website at gustavhoyer.com, you'll find links to access it. If you like what you hear, you appreciate the music, I'd be grateful if you share it with folks you think might enjoy it as well. And even your thoughts and reviews are a big help for me. So if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a few minutes and, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Help spread the word about the Anachronism Podcast. And feel free to reach out to me directly at salutations at gustavhoyer.com. And let me know what you'd like to hear as we enter 2020 from this series. I have a variety of things planned. We'll be diving more into how this kind of music is constructed. We'll be talking with, again, movers and shakers in the business of classical music and what it means to bring this music to the world. We'll talk about some of the challenges of that, and then we'll be meeting other artists and composers as well. So happy 2020. I'm grateful to have you along with me as a partner in this journey. Thank you for listening.